Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Let's stand. Hold our Bibles up. If you would, please say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, for those of you that are here for the first time in, the, in this series, uh, it's called uh, Our Passage or Passages to His Promise or Promises. Many promises in the Bible, and many people read the Bible from a historical perspective, and, and it's awesome. Uh, many people read the Bible from a religious perspective, which means uh, I want to read the Bible for do's and don'ts, and, and those are good things to know. But very few people really realize the Bible is a book of promises. God tells us what He will do uh, when we walk in covenant with Him. And uh, religious people oftentimes don't like that because the focus is, is on what we do not on what God has done and will do. And so once I uh, became enlightened to the fact that the Bible was about promises, it also helped me to understand how much God values each and every one of us. And uh, he placed such a high value on mankind that he gave his only son to die on the cross for us. Now, what that did, think about this, the, the value of humanity increased ridiculously. Now, all of a sudden, the creator of heaven and earth said, I love you so much, I'm going to pay for every sin, every wrong you've done by giving my own son. See, the challenge in our world is, is understanding our value. And when you talk about understanding personal value, it oftentimes leads people to thinking, well, if you value yourself too much, you're arrogant, you're overly confident. And you will have religious people that will talk the value of who you are down. And then <clears throat> the greater difficulty is how do you place a value on your own life? How, how do you see yourself? Well, if you grew up in a negative home or you grew up in a home that was abusive in any way, your value is zilch. You have been made to believe that, you, you, you know, our family has no value, we, we're not worth anything, we're the scum of the earth, and that's how the devil wants you to see yourself, and that, that you're not worthy, and you're not worth anything, and, and that's where many people live their life. Well, why even try? I'm just going to work, make enough money to live, survive, and then I'm going to die. That's what, not what Jesus came to do, to give us that mentality. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And it's not pie in the sky, but it's, it's something that we have to determine. And uh, today, hopefully, I elevate your value, okay? And, and I gave us four things at the beginning of the year to look at. And they said, you know, I'm going to center my life around these. Number one, I'm going to come to church and worship God weekly. 
That's, that's, I'm going to keep reiterating this maybe throughout the year because this is the ultimate goal. If you have any value of self, then guess what? When you come to church, you're investing in yourself. You're investing in, in being in the presence of God. You're investing yourself by, by hearing the Word of God and learning how to live a life above how we've been living it. Secondly, that we would obey God daily. That that's no longer just, you know, well, I'm going to, on the big stuff and the stuff. No, every day I want to get up and I want to do my best to obey him every day. And, and the reason I'm saying this is because you can have all the goals and, and, and all the resolutions you want to have. And, and they may be worthy, but they're only as worthy as you, the value you place on you. Because if you actually hit a goal without being prepared for that goal to be hit, it can destroy you. So God prepares us for what he has prepared for us. And so if I obey daily and, and something happens where God blesses me, then I know what to do with that blessing. Many of you have heard me tell the story. I've been telling it since about 1999 that a guy gave me a car, wanted to give me a car. I didn't know who he was. And uh, I, I was a little concerned, number one. We were a small upstart church kind of thing. And, and uh, to make a real long story short, I didn't know him, and I, I, but I needed to talk to him. He wanted to give it anonymously. My assistant said, no, Mark won't do that. And so when I sat down with him, I looked at him. I said, I just want you to know one thing. I said, I try to obey God. And I said, if you give me this vehicle today, I didn't even know what it was going to be. I said, and God tells me to give it away tomorrow, I'm going to do that. And his response was, I don't care what you do with it. i got to get God off my back. So... The, the, the point is that in order to enjoy the blessings of God, we have to understand the value of, of what God is doing, what he's done, and what he wants to do. And the third thing is, I said, we would love ferociously. The Bible says love never fails. And, and so we're called to love one another, not just love people who like us and love us, but we're called to love all people. It's not our job to stop somebody and ask if they are worthy of our love. Everybody's worthy of love. Now, they may not be worthy of respect and honor and some of those things, but everybody's worthy to be loved. Uh, God created every individual in his image and likeness, and we're called to love everybody. Now, I know that's not easy. Don't elbow somebody right now, but uh, it, it can be challenging. So we're going to love uh, ferociously. And then the, the fourth thing I said we were going to do this year is give generously tithes and offerings. And uh, the reason I say this is because these four things, whatever your resolutions are, whatever your dreams are, whatever your goals are, if these four things are not operational in your life, you will not enjoy the blessings of God. Matter of fact, in Malachi 3, God addressed Israel saying, you've robbed me. And they said, how have we robbed you? And he said, in tithes and offerings. Now, how many of you know it's really not good to have a judge who knows everything? It's not like we have to take this to jury trial. He said, this is how you robbed me. And so if you say, well, I want a better job, I want a blessing, I want more income, all those things are great. But if you are not giving generously, it's a curse. So you can say, well, I'm enjoying it. You might enjoy it for a season, but if God is not first place in every area of our lives, it will not be the best life we can live. And so I'm going to address that. I used to go to, uh, many years ago, uh, when Feed the Children was operated by Larry, Larry Jones, who's a very dear friend of mine, uh, I would go to those auctions and because trying to raise money to help feed people. And at these auctions, he would have people donate. They would donate gifts in kind so that 
the money that was raised would go to feed the children. And uh, I, I'm a sports enthusiast and always played sports and loved sports. And, and so they would have these beautifully framed jerseys from Hall of Fame players. And uh, they had their signature on it. And then it, they, it's called a certificate of authenticity on the back of the, the, the jersey to prove that they actually signed it. It had to be authenticated by a professional company. So when I would go, it was, it was an open auction, and, and you could write down what you thought it was worth, what the value of it was. And uh, over at the end of the, the day, if you came out on top in the bidding process or in that auction, you got to buy it for that price. The reality is, in that auction, we all didn't know much. We were just there to help feed the children. But the value of that, or maybe it's what I could afford at that time, was what I offered. But you take someone who really knows uh, sports memorabilia, the value of that is maybe a lot different than what I paid for it because they understood the value and, and they could drive up the value to a, a real extreme sports enthusiast and, and that, that may be worth 10 times what you paid for it in an auction because they understood the value that you didn't understand. So it's important for you and I to understand that some people may not value who you are, but they're not the ones authenticating your life. Jesus is. He provides the, the authentication of each human being, and everyone is valued in his eyes at the same level. It doesn't matter how much money you have. doesn't matter what your job title is. What matters is you understand that God loves you and that God has placed a high value on you. And the challenge is the gap between how we see ourselves and how God sees ourselves is a huge gap. And so what I'm trying to do in this series is help us close that gap for you to realize you don't have to live the same life uh, this year that you lived last year and the year before and the year before. You see, I grew up believing one way, and it's nobody's fault, but I didn't see the blessing of God. I didn't know the promises of God, and uh, I, I, I didn't think I was worthy of those promises, that I, I wasn't worthy to have what God wanted me to have. And as a result, I, I didn't have them for a long time until I went, hold on. I'd rather be criticized by religious people than reprimanded by God. <laughs> What if God wanted to give you something? You said, no, no, I, I don't deserve it. Now, he's not going to get mad at you, but I can't imagine if I gave, wanted to give one of my children something, and they said, no, Dad, I, I don't deserve that. It would break my heart because I want to give it to them. Well, God's a giver. I just thought I'd let you know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You can't put a price tag on that. So now I want to talk to you about a lady named Rahab who her value or her understanding of who she was and how she was brought up and all of those things. Obviously, she had a low value on herself. She had tagged herself or priced herself very low. She's a prostitute. And you can say, well, maybe it was the only way she could make a living. There are a number of things you could talk about, but she's a part of the ancestry of Christ, making that known right up front. But something happened in her that changed everything for the rest of her life. All of a sudden, she realized a value that she didn't know she had. And it starts in Joshua 2. It says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from 
go uh, from, uh, from the tribes, go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. Now, Jericho was the last fortress that Israel had to take down in order to get to their promise. In other words, they, they, are, they have been out here 40 years. They've been fighting through numerous obstacles. Now, all of a sudden, there's one thing standing between them and the promise of God. Let me tell you something. This is where it gets interesting. Because when you only have one Jericho between you and what God has for you, let me tell you, there are all kinds of emotions. Man, I'm tired. This is the biggest fortress. This is the biggest battle we've ever faced. How are we going to get beyond it? Because it stands between us and what God has promised us. And let me tell you all something. Some of you are at Jericho right now. You are there facing this giant city, fortified city, enemies of God, and, and you can't see beyond those walls because on the other side is a promise, but you can't see it. So you have to see it here. You have to see it in your soul going, I know I've, I've, seen, I've seen miracles in 40 years, but I'm tired. And, 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 and there, the spies that went in told us that there were giants in the land of Canaan, and, and we can't all get through there. I mean, you can send a few people around Jericho, but you ain't sending millions. Now, all of a sudden, they're having to remember the voices of the 12 spies, at least 10 of them, that said, we are grasshoppers in their sight. They had devalued themselves down to a grasshopper. That's how they began to see themselves. Now, all of a sudden, they, they're, 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 they're hearing in their head those voices, and they're looking with their eyes at this fortified city going, how do we get from here? Let me tell you, the passage from where you are to his promises doesn't happen easily. We look at people and we say, well, look at them. They, they've sure arrived or they've got an easy life. Nobody has an easy life. Everybody's going through something. It's all in how you interpret what you're going through. If you remember greater is God in me than what's going on in front of me or around me, then you can get on the other side of it. But don't think for a minute even people with millions of dollars, you think, well, they got it made. I know people with millions of dollars, and let me tell you something, they're in the fight of their lives. A friend of mine built a company, a $1 billion company, and, and, and how many of you know you think, well, that's great, everybody likes him. No, there was a hostile takeover, and it took him years to win that, that battle. He could have laid down, but he said, no, there, he's a Christian. He said, the principle of this thing is, y'all took what I built. And he stayed true. He said, I understand the value of this company because I understand what I put into it. The time, the energy, the sweat, the blood, the criticism, the obstacles. And I value it too much for you knuckleheads who've done nothing but come in and try to take over. So he, he understood the value. The value is what I can tell you where you're living by how you're thinking. I can tell you what you think about yourself by your conversation. You need to change your words about you. You need to change your conversations. If you're having conversations with Debbie Downers, you need to tell Debbie to go be a little donut. Been a little Debbie Donuts or something? I don't know. Because there will always be people that will reduce your value and tell you you don't amount to anything, you'll never amount to anything, you're not smart enough to amount to anything, your grades prove you're not smart enough. God does not use your high school diploma to determine how he's going to bless you. 
Your college degree doesn't matter. What matters to God is he's first in your life. You're going to worship him above everything else, and you're going to say, God, you valued me, so I'm going to value me. You're not going to treat me this way. What I learned some years ago is you tell somebody, you're not going to talk to me that way. You can't stop them from talking to you that way. So what I say is, I'm not going to listen. You can talk however you want. You can talk to anybody else how you want, but you cannot talk to me that way because I won't listen. So you just keep on bumping your gums. I'm out. Because I really, I used to say, don't talk to me that way. You can't do that. Yeah, they can. They, it's free country. The problem isn't what they're saying. The problem is what you're listening to. And you have to stop listening to people who down what you're doing. So now all of a sudden they find themselves at Jericho. The king of Jericho was told, well, so they went, entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Interesting. The king is now communicating with the lowest level of Jericho. That's pretty interesting. She got the king's attention. God... She had God's attention. All of a sudden, this little no-name, devalued human being living in poverty on the poverty side of Jericho, according to historians, living in the poorest side of town and, and, and in the red light district. I don't know if that's what they still call them, but when I was young, I remember that. Some of you will judge me. I just have knowledge. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. This is pretty interesting dialogue because basically she's a liar. Isn't that funny how God chooses certain people? Now, this is not a license for you to go like, Rahab did it, I'm in. That's not what this is about. This is about God going, I got to get some of my guys in there. And isn't it, isn't it funny that he, he didn't go to one of the senators, one of the representatives, didn't go to the king. God said, I'm going to take my business to the house of a prostitute. I think he did it just to help us. Go, I think I'm better than that. But you're really not. You just have a different idea or a different profession. But we're no better. We're really not. I mean, sin is sin is sin. And so before we start judging Rahab, let me tell you, my girl's in heaven. And I bet you she's drop-dead gorgeous. That was unnecessary, but I thought I would just bring a little levity into the situation. So, at dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, which they did because nobody, and these, the city gates were fortified. And, and they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. <laughs> they're up on the roof. And they're out chasing. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up on the roof and hidden them from uh, under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road. Leads to the fords of Jordan. And soon as the pursuers had gone, the gate was shut. Okay, so. God looks at this woman in a different light than everybody else looked at her. So let's just say we don't know what happened after this. We, we can assume a lot of things. We can assume that everything happened quickly. 
in just a few chapters later, we see that I began, as I was studying this morning, thinking, now, why would God send them in there if he knew that what was going to happen is they were going to march around the city six days. On the seventh day, they were going to blow the trumpet seven times, and the walls were going to collapse. It's just interesting to me that God knew that he didn't really need to go in there, but he saw Rahab out of all the people in that city. Maybe it was just to make a statement to us that I see all of your issues. I see you've lost your value. And I'm going to show you a woman that had exactly that same mentality, and I'm going to show you what I did with her. I mean, there are all kinds of stories inside this story, like two spies knocking on the door saying, hey, baby, I understand your profession. No, because nowadays this would be CNN's, CNBC. This would be all over the place. Hey, what were you doing? They didn't have ring cameras back then. Absolutely no proof of what was going on while they were in there. You see what I'm saying? So we create stories inside stories that keep us from God's best in our lives. And God shows up anyway. Now, if you want to get to to the place you want to go, there's always a want to. I could look at any one of you and say, well, you know, I really want to do better. I really want to make more money. I really want to get another car. I really want to love. I really want to be loved. I really want a spouse. I really want a good relationship. All of these things are great. Here I said, I want to. But until your will to is greater than your want to, all you're ever going to do is want to. So you have to have a will. So the first point in this whole series was, I will come to church weekly. Well, I want to. Well, you're going to have to will to. Because the last time I checked, they don't make beds that wake you up and go, good morning, precious. It's time to awaken and go worship the Lord. Now rise up. Your eggs are on your plate with a little Tabasco sauce and bacon. Oh, God, that just really triggered hunger in me. That doesn't happen because God gave us a free will. Now, everybody loves a free will until they do something stupid with that will. Now we blame God. Well, God, if that was your will, why did you let this happen? No, 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 no. This had to be your will because I gave you a free will to do the stupid thing you did. And God probably wouldn't word it that way, but I don't want to be him. I'm not him, so therefore I will word it this way. How big is your will to? Not how big is your want to. Because your want to can be huge. But until you have a will to carry it out and understand the value of what you want, you probably won't. So that's how come I said we will worship God weekly. I don't want to. I will to. Because there are actually Sundays I don't want to. I know that disappoints somebody. Oh, my goodness, our pastor doesn't want to. No. I have a Tempur-Pedic mattress that often speaks in my sleep, be still and know that I am God. And I have to rise up and have a will to rise up because my want to is still sleep. But I will to. And so the reason I do is I understand the value of worship. I understand the value of the presence of God. And His presence is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. If I'm outside His presence, I'm outside joy. If I'm out of joy, I'm out of strength. 
So now I have to go, God, I don't always want to, but I will to because I really want to. But on days I don't want to, I will to. And that will is going to override the want to stay home and sleep. God, I don't, I don't want to obey you every day because there are things I just want to do. And I'd rather do them and ask you to forgive me. How many of you, yeah, don't raise your hands because 100% of you should, but some of you won't because you lie like Rahab. <laughs> so discipline is the root of disciple. You can't be a disciple without discipline. That's the root word of disciple. That's why he called them disciples because they, they, they were disciplined and they still were messed up a lot, but they, they had a will to follow Jesus. You got to have a will to love certain people. You got to have a will to respect your boss. You got to have a you got to have a will to honor the company you work for. I get so tired of people criticizing their jobs, their bosses and their companies that are paying you to be there. You may not like them, but think about it just a minute. They've placed a level of value on you by hiring you. You need to honor that value because if you honor those in authority, God will bless you even if they're stupid. We're always trying to get even. Well, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. That isn't fair. You're not looking for fair. You're looking for obedience. I'm going to obey God. I don't like it sometimes. I don't like some of the rules. But I know they were put in place for my good. Then I'm going to love ferociously. I'm going to love because love never fails. Now, I will say this. Love is sometimes as slow as a tortoise. The response to them is, God, I've been loving these people, and they still be in the way they are. And God's saying, well, then you haven't loved enough. Or you need to love more, however you want to put it. I want to get to the promises of God. I want you to get to the promises of God. And that does not come without resistance without criticism, without opposition, without difficulty. None of this happens. And so in the midst of it all, you have to keep joy. For those of you that, that aren't serving right now, you know, my wife runs and oversees the children's ministry. And, and it, it, without fail, it's one of the hardest areas of ministry. And, and so she had three or four people that said, I can't be there tomorrow and, you know, and all this stuff. And, and I just had to, I mean, and I, I feel for her because I been in all areas of ministry from the time I started from children to youth to whatever but but I said you know we're going to stay happy in the midst of it and I just looked and I said God will provide and some of you are the provision sitting here right now and so God's speaking to you right now yeah and so when we understand that things don't happen quickly and they don't Many people quit trying to lose weight or trying to be on a, uh, you know, get a healthy, get healthy. And, and you quit because you're not seeing results. It's not about what you see with these eyes. It's about what you know and see with your heart, saying, this is what I'm going to do. And, I, and I'm going to keep on doing what I know to do. Now, there's no judgment. I mean, if you're, I, you're, you're as valuable at 380 pounds as you would be at 180 you see what I'm saying? But most people don't talk about weight because they get in trouble, but I'm not a politician, so I really don't care. But the reality is I want people to understand, and I want all of us to understand, God loves us just like we are. The problem is we typically don't love us just like we are. And we don't love who we can become enough to take the time and discipline to become it. 
very, very important. I'm going to read a story that, that I get up every Sunday morning and everything's prepared, but then I get up on Sunday morning and say, God, is there anything you want to say? <laughs> or anything else you want to say? And this was an interesting story because we oftentimes look at people and, and we try to measure who they are and the reason we do this is because what we're really doing subconsciously is measuring ourselves against them. And the Bible tells us, don't compare yourselves with others. And it's one of the most dangerous things because somebody's going to lose. Somebody's always going to come up short. And, and so we often look at other people and say, if I could be like them. No, you don't want to be like them. You want to be the person God made you to be. And it may not look as important, you may not look as necessary as them in the world's eyes, but in the eyes of God, if you're being the best you that God created you to be, then you're the best. Not comparing with anybody else, you're just the best. And so we have to keep our focus on, on God. We have to keep our focus on who we are in Him. The Bible says we're the righteousness of God in Christ. So if somebody tries to put you down, you just simply, in your mind, just look and go, I know who I am. I'm creating the image and likeness of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. God cares deeply about me. I'm the apple of his eye. And you say, well, how, how come that's so important? Because if you don't speak to yourself like David spoke to himself, you will listen to all the other voices that will be louder than your own. And, and any of you, that, that, has, that you've allowed the voices of the past, and in order for you to get to the passage you want to be on, there are past ages you have to get beyond. And, and you have to get beyond the past. You have to get beyond it. And, and, and I, I tell people, if somebody starts talking about my past, I say, it's not your story, it's mine, and I haven't given you permission to talk about it. If I want to talk about it, it's my story, and I can introduce it. You cannot. Or you can. You're just going to be talking to air because I'm out. Bye-bye. You see, that's not our job to talk about past ages. It's our job to talk about past ages, past ages that God takes us to his promise. Not listening to the voice of the ten spies who had grasshopper mentality. And I'm not talking about karate grasshopper. I'm talking about fluttering, gross grasshoppers. They're gross. We used to catch them as kids, and they spit tobacco, I think. Was that, or was that a myth? I don't know. They spit at you. They're gross. Here's a story that, that I'll try to close with. Operative word, try. A violinist played for 45 minutes in the New York subway. A handful of people stopped. A couple clapped, and... The violinist raised about $30 in tips. No one knew this, but the violinist was none other than Joshua Bell, one of the best musicians in the world. In that subway, Joshua played one of the most intricate pieces ever written with a violin worth $3.5 million. Now, who places a value on what? You and I would look and say, that's just a violin. But somebody said, no, I know what went into that violin to make it. I, it was handcrafted out of the best wood and the best, every part on it was just highly valued. Two days before he played in the subway, with again, not many people appreciating his skills, 
Joshua Bell sold out a Boston theater, and the seats averaged about $100 a seat. The experiment proved that the extraordinary in an ordinary environment does not shine and is so often overlooked and undervalued. Extraordinary in the midst of ordinary. Now, here's why I bring this up. We serve an extraordinary God, and you are all extraordinary people, but we live in a very ordinary world that does not prize or value the extraordinary. Matter of fact, it's overlooked. You could go and feed 100 or even 1,000, or you could feed 10,000 homeless people today in Oklahoma City, and you would not make the news, but a guy who can dribble a basketball and dunk it is the one that's prized. And let me just tell you, as extraordinary as that skill is, that skill is not extraordinary to God. What's extraordinary to God is how we treat other people, how we value other people, how we value our relationship with him. But we live in a world, and, and I call that very ordinary. It's just, it's just very human. There's nothing supernatural about dribbling a basketball. It's something to be admired and appreciated, but it's not something to be worshipped, and yet, people worship them all the time. Because you know why? They don't see their own value, so they find it in someone who's gifted and skilled. God doesn't find value in the gifted and skilled, or he wouldn't have picked Rahab. Well, <laughs> I'm going to leave that right there. There are brilliantly talented people everywhere who aren't receiving the recognition and reward they deserve. But once they arm themselves with value, listen to this, arm themselves with value and confidence and remove themselves from an environment that isn't serving them, they thrive and grow. Your gut is telling you something. Listen to it. If it's telling you where you are isn't enough. Go where you're appreciated and valued. See, some people, you feel like you deserve to be mistreated. You deserve to be talked to in a, in a condescending way. You, you're convinced that you have no worth to society. You grew up hearing uh, th those words, you, you'll never amount to anything. You're not valuable. And those things get in our head. And, and please understand, we all have heard voices that contradict the voice of God, that contradict the word of God. And we have to overcome that in our passage, in our pathway to his promises, or we will never get to his promises. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't deserve a better job. I don't deserve to be treated better by my spouse. I don't de de deserve to be respected by my children. I don't deserve, I don't deserve. And the reality is you do, but not outside of God. Inside of God, we realize we're children of the Most High God. My Father does not want me to accept that kind of treatment, that kind of conversation, that kind of talk. And it doesn't, you don't even have to be mean. And let me say this too. When you forgive someone, that doesn't mean you have to hang out with them. Because what they'll do, let me tell you how these people are. They'll come and say, well, if you really forgive me, why can't we hang out? I have forgiven you, but I don't want to be around your type anymore. 
And, of course, they'll judge you from a religious perspective. Well, you're mean, whatever. No, I love you. I love you ferociously. As a matter of fact, I love you so much that I will not enable that kind of behavior, that kind of speech, that kind of manipulation. That I, I won't allow that. I'm not mad at you. I, I love you ferociously. But I have to love you from a distance because you've created an environment for your life and those that get around you. You've created an environment that is detrimental and damaging to my pathway to his promise. You have to will to more than you want to. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your only son. Thank you for showing us how much you value us. Now, may we receive the value that you've placed on us, Lord. We realize that without Jesus in our lives, we deserve hell. We deserve all the bad things in this world, but you didn't see it that way. You, you love us so much that you said, I see so much more, and I, I want to redeem you. I want to release you. I want to restore you. I, I want to elevate you. So, God, I pray those who've had a poor opinion of themselves and seen no value in who they are would today be awakened to this truth that you value them. You think they're the most marvelous of all creation. So much so that you gave us Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'd like for us to all pray this prayer together. And those of you watching online, pray it right there where you're at. You see, you don't have to be here to accept Christ. You can accept Christ anywhere. Uh, You don't have to prove to anybody. It's between you and him. But when you pray this prayer, the Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray this together. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I thank you, Jesus. I am forgiven. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, those of you watching online, even in-house, if you would like, text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.